ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these good 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Greg Dutch is sitting across from me. Greg, what's going on, dude? Doing well, man. The summer is going on. The summer blockbuster movies are out. And dude, uh, since my podcast appearances are winding down, uh, can we give a quick little uh, uh, shout out to uh, Wonder Woman? Yeah, man. How stinking amazing that DC <sighs> movie was. So good. I would argue that that was the best superhero movie yet. Yeah. Between Marvel and DC. I Ooh. I would I would make that argument that yeah. I think it is the best one in terms of um, acting, yep, character development, plot development, yep. um, just the the feel that I had. To me, this is what DC should have been all along. And, yeah. and Greg, you and I have talked about this. You know, I've not been a huge DC movie fan. I sure. love the TV series, yep. um, but I have not been a huge movie fan. And to me, this just knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I'll, I'm thinking, dude. I mean, I'm thinking of some of the. Um, I, I'll say this, uh, you know. Again, it's sort of like when we did the S Town podcast. Yeah, one of the things you said you liked about Serial was that was a little more real time update. Yeah, there, there were things happening going into the final day that Sarah Canning taped Serial. Yeah, so there is something true about that dynamic processing in the moment. And in the moment, so what comes to my mind? I'm putting like uh, First Avengers, mm-hmm. which I remember thought when I saw that, wow, yeah, I'd never seen a movie like that. Um, I would say uh, I, I I liked the first Thor a lot, mm-hmm. not so much the second, uh, but I love the first Thor a lot. Like a lot of people, the first Iron Man. I'll at least say this: Wonder Woman is right up there with every one of those. Yeah, and maybe it is because uh, I would say, what an origin story. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, not – it wasn't belabored. Right. Like they kind of showed her origin uh, in a way that synced with what was happening in the story itself. I don't yeah. want to give away details for any listeners or uh, listeners that are yet viewers. Uh, but, yeah, I mean I, – I, and, dude, that – how do you say her name? Is it Gail or Gal Gadot? Gal Gadot. She rocks that thing, man. Yeah. I mean like Incredible. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. my boys and I watched that opening night, and uh, it was so fun to watch them yeah. watch it, you know. And it was just, uh, just fantastic. And um, I would say uh, it was uh, it, like places they had. Like when I first saw the promo, and I'm like, yeah, they got Chris Pine, they've got Wonder Woman, and I thought, oh, is this going to be kind of cliche, kind of yeah. campy? And it wasn't. No. It's just no. really like the humor worked. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's not like belly laughing humor. Like right. you're just, but it was like, Oh, that was good. That was clever. Right. That was funny. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I love, uh, this doesn't give it anything away, but wonder woman coming into what 1917 yeah. London, uh, with her sword yeah. and her shield. And it was just, <laughs> it just doesn't complete the outfit. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, with this, I only say this, dude. We were talking about it before we went live. The the no man's land yes. scene, wow, fantastic, yeah, unbelievably yeah. good, yeah, yeah. Just had to give a shout out to that one. With Absolutely. all the superhero movies coming out, yep. Uh, we said Guardians. We both liked. Didn't think it was as good as the first. Yep. Um, you know, entertaining, solid. A little bit of a throwaway. Yeah. Like at the end of the day when somebody's uh, 20 years from now looking back on the MCU. Right. Those big movies. I don't think Guardians 2 is going to stand out as right. uh, head and shoulders above the rest, which doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Um, and uh, But yeah, Wonder Woman, I think that'll stand out yeah. in uh, the – well, on the DC side of things. Right. Oh, certainly. Yeah. yeah. As you know, dude, I'm one of those minority voices that 
kind of defended Batman Superman. Right. Um, and I'm the first to say, yeah, after seeing Wonder Woman, Batman Superman sucked. Yeah. <laughs> By comparison. Yes. I yeah. mean, it wasn't. And you know what's interesting, dude? Wasn't it? Am I right on this? We should ask uh, our other Nathan yeah. this. He might know. If I remember rightly, one of the few people that didn't like Batman versus Superman, mm-hmm. one of the few caveats they would make was, I love the Wonder Woman yes. cameo. Yes. And it's funny, that cameo that had a certain feel, Yeah, that feel just filled two and a half hours of yes. that movie. Yeah. Of her own standalone. Yeah. So good. Yep. But yep. I'm even more excited about giving a shout out. To Mission Aware. To Mission Aware. Woohoo! Wonder Men and Wonder Women are working right. over there, man. Um, I see what you did there. See? See? Again, Nathan, uh, uh, Nathan the professional podcaster, can pull this off. <laughs> uh, dude, just yesterday, uh, Lisa and I went on a drive, hot summer day, and it was nice to see her drinking her Diet Pepsi out of her Mission Aware Yeti mug. Yeah, man. Uh, kept that drink cold. We were... Uh, it was my van with no air conditioning. Yep. And we were at uh, this trip for a solid two hours. There was still ice when we got back in the car after being where we were for about an hour. Uh, ice in the Yeti mug. And her diet Pepsi was delicious. And it's nice seeing her drink out of the These Go to 11 That's right. Yeti mug. I, I'm going to post that, dude. I'm going to send you a picture of Sweet. that. Sweet, yeah. Uh, me or Lisa enjoying that. And, um you know, their products right now, uh, you get it, whatever you want. You know, apparel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Their T-shirts, their posters, yeah. their their beer steins, their coffee uh, coffee mugs, both home and travel. The Yeti thing, I love, dude. Yeah, love yeah. it, man. Well, I can tell you, I got the uh, post Tenenbrosch Lux oh, after yes, darkness right. light uh, long sleeve tee. On the back, I had um, what is it, Second Peter two eight or whatever it is, the one that talks about you know bringing us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Um, and I've had uh, I wore that. Uh, the last day of school yeah. and I had so many compliments on that shirt, awesome. you know, um, teachers asked me, that's so, that's so cool. What is that? And, you know, explaining this was the battle cry of the reformation, yeah. showing them the verse on the back and, yeah. Oh, that's great. You know? And so I, you know, passed along the, uh, the website where they could, you know, they could get their shirts. And so, isn't that the best man? Yeah. After darkness light. Yep. Love that. Yep. Man. Yeah. So mission aware, um, you know, uh, please visit them. Uh, yeah. Again, uh, their own products are great. They've yeah. got the, if you search up these go to to eleven. Yep, you'll in find the, in the uh, collabs. You can just yes. click right on there in the little drop down menu. These go to eleven, and also don't forget they're running a, a special Father's Day promo. Um, you still have some time to order Father's Day gifts. Yep, uh, put in our little promo code sustain and you get ten dollars off a fifty dollar purchase. Sweet, sweet. So now, Greg. We're in a transition here, which Ooh. leads us into our topic. We're sort of in an intermediate Ooh. state. What? What, Dude, this is – I'm going to miss this, yeah. man. <laughs> Me too, man. The corny humor. That's right. The uh, things other people would look at and say, what, why are those two guys laughing? I know. Because we're nerds and proud of it. Uh, uh, yes, I'm going to miss it too, man. Yeah, uh, for all the times we've talked, Nathan, in the past two and a half years, I feel like we've touched on this Yeah, with some other podcasts, Chris Date with Hell. Yeah. Um, dude, maybe that's something. We get Chris Data back. I'd love to talk to him about this view because I don't think he's, he would hold to it. But I'd mm-hmm. love to see how he'd work this in to his uh, thinking of eschatology, yeah. final state of things, etc. But yeah. Yeah. So, Greg, um, why don't you go ahead and just um – Talk me through a little bit about yeah. your 
your thought process is growing up, um, you know, becoming a Christian and what you believed about the intermediate state of the believer. Sure. Um, and then I'll kind of talk through mine and we can talk about our view because um, you've actually – you've convinced me of your view. I was I was edging there because yeah. of my view growing up. Yeah. Um, but, but your view, especially um, after teaching science, I think – makes the most sense. Oh man. And, that is um, you've convinced me of that and uh we'll talk a little bit about that. But but start us off with your intermediate journey. Yeah, I want to see if I can make more people into heretics like I've done with you. And that's <laughs> that's my goal, man. If I could I get three or four more heretics on the way out of these go to eleven. That's right. That's but, pretty cool. But remember Steve's coming on, so he's gonna bring him he's gonna Crap. bring him back. Well, he's gonna be all orthodox. <laughs> uh <laughs> no. I, uh, I'd love to say, dude, that I sat down with my Bible one time and said, this is how it all comes together. And who does that happen with? Because oh, yeah. even people that tend to write things and put forth really provocative yeah. theological models have, have been taught by somebody yeah. and things have come out of conversation. Yeah. So for me, um, I would just say uh, the, the, the kind of reigning queen in evangelical eschatology regarding what happens to the believer, mm-hmm. and you could say the unbeliever, but mm-hmm. for the sake of argument, let's stick with the believer. What happens to the believer when he dies mm-hmm. prior to the second coming, which uh, for the time being is everybody that has died right. uh, since Jesus has yet to return? Um, we we have the the prevailing view, and it's a fine view, it's orthodox, that um, the spirit of the believer mm-hmm. departs. Uh, from the body of the believer, mm-hmm. and the spirit goes immediately into the presence of the Lord. Uh, this is this is what most people believe, most people teach, and there is scripture I think that you can use to support this. Um, what you have, however, is say in the case of the Apostle Paul, mm-hmm. who died early sixties, first century, right. means for uh, two thousand years, uh, Paul um, has. His spirit has been with Jesus, yeah. in in uh, in some way, uh, meaningful way, conscious, etc. But his body will not rejoin his spirit until the last day. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians five or First Thessalonians four, the trumpet call, the dead in Christ rising, etc. The 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 mortal putting on immortal, right? Um, the the uh, perishable, the imperishable. When you think of those passages. A uh, couple of thoughts there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's good about it? I think you can look for some biblical support. Been thinking about this and prep for this podcast. In Revelation, you've got a mention of what seems to be the departed martyrs, mm-hmm. kind of awaiting the last day. And you could make an argument that these are spirits. I think the spirits of the departed martyrs waiting the last day. Uh, I've seen some people appeal to that. Uh, just for the record, I'm never big on appealing to the Book of Revelation for. <laughs> Too much, honestly, right. doctrinal proof yeah. texting. Yeah. I think it's fraught with so much symbolism right. that you're like, oh, do you really want to do that? Because, right. oh, shoot, I just spilled coffee all over my leg, brother. Oops. Uh, but, you know, I'm on fire today, so I don't even feel it. That's right. <laughs> um, there, there's, uh, there's arguments for it. Obviously, uh, most attractive is the belief that uh, there is immediate transition from this life to the next right consciously in the presence of jesus so yeah that's that's the intermediate state uh i was sitting at my pca church probably senior year of college um my then pastor michael rogers very gifted teacher uh 
little shout out to him. I haven't talked to him in years, but he he is now, I believe, the senior pastor at Westminster Presbyterian Church mm-hmm. in Lancaster, PA. Now, uh, when he was here in Maryland at uh, Valley Press, where I was um, the youth intern, uh, when Lisa and I met and got married, and I was kind of in between first and second year of seminary. Um, so this was about a year earlier or so. He he did a series on death, mm-hmm. um, and death and um, death and the hereafter, and uh, he did a sermon on this subject, uh, which was sort of what happens when you die. Which I remember looking at the bulletin, thought well, it's it's kind of simple, you know. I mean, you go be with the Lord, and mm-hmm. but that's fine. He's going to talk about that, and he is the first one I ever heard formulate the view. So he persuaded me. Mm-hmm. But even then, he answered a lot of my questions. Um, if you read, Nathan, and I'm going to turn to it here. Sure. 2 Corinthians 5. Yep. And let me just look at this quickly. Uh, a professional podcaster would have had this ready, so I'm stalling. <laughs> um, that was his text that day. Yep. Uh, and uh, for our listeners, if you know, they're, if, please don't do this when you're driving. Right, right. Uh, but if you're at home and you say, yeah, I'm going to open up that passage and, and take a look-see, uh, let me just kind of make a few observations that he made uh, that I found interesting. Mm-hmm. He's contemplating his death yeah. in Second Corinthians 5. And he says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, now that is, to me, a pretty clear reference to the human body, right? You know, the, which Paul uses as the tent, right? that we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So first verse, he's talking about two physical realities. Right. Uh, what I think he does in 1 Corinthians 15, there's the perishable body that we, you and I are walking around in with our aches and our pains and our you know, susceptibility to sure. viruses and disease, right. etc. The same body that Christ had when he was here on earth. Exactly, exactly. That human mm-hmm. body. Um, and then uh, he compares that to a house that will be given to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, if our earthly home is gone, destroyed, right. we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, which I think is that First Corinthians 15, as you said, the resurrected body uh, like Jesus had yeah. uh, after um, Easter. And then he says in verse 2, For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, which is classic Romans 8 type language, yeah. the groaning, the longing for liberation that this body is. We we almost know. Inadequate, insufficient. Inadequate. Yeah, yeah we're, we're not built for eternity in this body. Yeah. We're going to need something different. And he says, so we groan to put on our heavenly dwelling. And then he says, if indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. Mm. That, uh, Michael Rogers was the first one I heard kind of unpack this, said, it seems to be, I think, a fairly safe inference. I'll let the interpreter say uh, that the idea of a being found naked is, I think, Paul's way of saying being a disembodied spirit. Yeah. Which he doesn't seem to like. Yeah. Um, and I would say again, because even though Paul wrote in Greek, he thought like a Hebrew. Right. And the concrete reality of physical, right. tactile life right. is something beautifully liberating when you read the Old Testament. Yeah. Oh, this is good. Yeah. Unlike the Gnostics who came along and said, right. no, the physical is bad and the spiritual is good. The Hebrew world was no, the physical is good, and, right. and that's reinforced throughout the New Testament. 
So verse 4, for while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, and there we are in our current bodies, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And Michael Rogers was the first guy I ever heard who suggested this idea again, not that we would be unclothed. Right. That that idea, I think Paul s- seems to think is disdainful. Yeah. This idea of a disembodied spirit. We weren't created like that. Right. We were created from the dirt. Yeah. Uh, or Eve from Adam, his side. And uh, then God breathes his spirit and man became a living being. Yeah. And then uh, verse 5, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. Then sort of the application in verse 6. So we're always of good courage. In mm-hmm. other words, that we, we know this to be true. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Um, and yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord, which I take to be this body, yeah. um, our current body that we're walking around with. And uh, that seems to be the picture. Paul has this idea of, um, hey, when we're done with this building, we get a new one. Yeah. And he seems to say that we wouldn't be found naked. Uh, and this idea of an intermediate state, uh, well, I've got to be careful here. I think you could say it flies in the face of what Paul's hope is in Second Corinthians. Right. That there is no concept of this. Two, in his case, 2,000 years of disembodied existence yeah. as a spirit awaiting his resurrection. So now the question is, well, what? Right. And I would admit it's an inference. Yeah. It's a deduction. So for all people out there saying, ah, exegetical fallacy, I'm putting it out there. Right. Um, but I think it's uh, a better inference and a right. better deduction. In other words, the intermediate state, you have to insert that in Second Corinthians 5. Yeah. Maybe you can. Yeah. Um, it's, it's to me, much when people put together their eschatology. You know, right. they say, well, the rapture is taught in First Thess 4. I'm like, is it? Yeah, a catching up in the clouds is. Right. Uh, where did you get the seven-year tribulation after that? Where did you get right. the marriage supper of the Lamb? You've gotten that from other places. Right. Uh, it's inference and deduction. So I'm saying it is an inference and deduction. Right. But the view I'm espousing, Nathan, is that the believer when he dies, mm-hmm. that he doesn't just leave this life, right. which he does, but leaves time. Right. And immediately, instantaneously, as it were, joins his resurrection body yeah. on the last day. Right. Which is, if you think about it for a second, means the Apostle Paul died again early 60s right. A.D. Martin Luther died... Uh, sometime in the 1500s. Right. I don't have his death date on me. Let's say 1550, just to take a, a rough guess at sure. it. Sure. Uh, you know, 1500 years after. Right. Um, my dear father-in-law died right. five and a half years ago. Right. Elizabeth Elliot just died, what, a year About ago? About a year ago, yeah. yes. That Elizabeth Elliot, my father-in-law, Martin Luther, the Apostle Paul, are all getting there at the same, same time. time. Yeah. That blows my mind. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it blows my mind. It has to be true. Right. But I have come to believe that is what happens. I yeah. think that's the most logical read of the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, that um, that the, the believer leaves, again, or I'd say the spirit of the believer, not just this life, but this time. Right. 
which is a way, and I'd say in the here and now, I, this is where it gets really mind blowing. And it's interesting you mentioned science, which I'd like you to elaborate more on. Sure. But it's um, uh, just an incredible thought that for me, oh, I'm there, yeah. even though I'm here. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, that this this concept of God not being boxed in by right. time and space as we are right. is brilliant. Now, in a, as we talk, I'll throw out some of the objections people have put sure. forth. Uh, you can find a few people that believe this in the evangelical community, reform community. Arthur Custance mm-hmm. uh, died many years ago, uh, but wrote several books sort of mid middle of the 20th century. And I can't remember the title, but I remember asking Michael Rogers, who taught you this? And he said, I think Arthur Custance was the first one I ever heard unpack it. Yeah. And he goes into much more detail for anybody that wants to Google his stuff. C-U-S-T-A-N-C-E, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um not a big name, but right. he did some fresh work on the subject, uh, some some good thinking and exegesis, and um, throw that out. So yeah, yeah, I, you know, for me, um, I remember uh, growing up and thinking the more traditional view. Uh-huh. You know, you died and uh, you become a spirit, and your spirit's in heaven with God, yep. just kind of you know doing whatever you do in heaven with yep. God until it's time to you know get your body and come back. I remember even even at an early age thinking there just, there are some things about that that don't make sense. Yeah. Um, one of those, if I am completely whole yeah. and I function and act without my body and just yeah. my spirit, why am I getting a body? Right. Why, right. Why is that necessary? Why That's is a it, good point. Yeah. Why is it necessary for me to have this body, which the body can be damaged, yeah. the body can be hurt. Yep. And so why, why am I going to be removed from this body just to be given a new body at the end of time? Yeah. Uh, So I remember there were, there were some things like that, but you know, thinking, well, you know, I mean, God has his, you know, no real concrete answer, but just, well, God must have his reasons for it. Um, So I remember going through that. And then um, when I was in middle school, um, my father passed away and we, um, we ended up going to a church just down the road from our house that was an Advent Christian church. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, people, they're going to hear Advent Christian and Uh so many things are going to pop in their minds. I will say it was, uh, an Orthodox Mm -hmm. evangelical church and leave it at that. Um, But one of the distinctives was they believed in soul sleep. Oh, soul sleep. Yeah. Um, and to me that made much more sense Uh than this kind of disembodied spirit. And, you know, it was the idea that, well, Yes, we do exist as body and soul and mind, but if any of those components are missing, yeah. then you cease to exist as you are. You right. cease to be conscious of of your surroundings, of your reality. Yeah. Um, and so, kind of looking at that in, in that kind of logical progression, mm-hmm. you know, and some of the, the the arguments that they use are very compelling. You know, one of the things people say is they look to Jesus and the thief on the cross, and yeah. you know. They say, well, you know, Christ says, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. It's interesting how our comma placements affect sentence structure. Yes. You know, and one of the things that I remember my pastor saying was, you know, if Christ is saying, I tell you today, comma, yeah. you will be with me in paradise. What he's saying is I'm telling you right now. Right. You will one day be with me in paradise. Right. Um, if, I t- if, if he's saying, I tell you, comma, today you will mm-hmm. be with me in paradise. Well, then that changes the sentence again. Sure. And he's saying, you are going to be with me right here, right now in this moment. Yeah. 
Um, and so I remember, you know, thinking about that and, you know, looking at that going, okay, so, so there is some, there is some legs to this. Another common objection people have is when Paul is talking, um, and, you know, he says, I would, um, for, for, uh, for me to die is gain. I, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, but that's actually not what the verse says. Paul says, I would rather right. be absent from the body and present right. with the Lord, which is again is a very different way. Right, it is when you read scripture of or, or dude, I might throw out. You could argue he's saying from this current body, right, uh, and, and to be present with the Lord. The right. assumption in my resurrection body, but right, there's two or three ways, right, to very reasonably think through what he's saying there. Agreed. And so when you and I started talking um, about this, Greg, and I've always been fascinated with the idea of quantum physics. I've always mm-hmm. been idea- fascinated with um, theoretical physics yeah. and, you know, the idea of time space and dimensionality. You yeah. know, we, we love the, the DC Marvel universe, oh, sure, and, man. you know, the, the cross multi-dimension, the multiverse and Earth all of that two. stuff. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so I started doing a little bit more research and, and thinking, okay, is this just something that people have thrown out there or mm-hmm. does this actually have some traction? And again, I don't, I don't want to insert things into the Bible where it's not there. However, yeah. I started thinking about the idea that what if we, what if the universe, the, as we know it, both seen and unseen is made up of three dimensions, yeah. three basic dimensions. You have heaven, earth, and hell. Yeah. And within that, God obviously is able to bridge all of those dimensions and mm-hmm. go wherever he pleases. He's sure. God. Um, angels are relegated to the dimension of heaven and earth Mm -hmm. and that kind of crossover in between we see in uh the old testament where um god allows the eyes of the king to be lifted and he sees all the angels that are around this this unseen world behind the physical yeah um so there's more going on there than just meets the eye um and so i started thinking about that concept and idea and then again you bring in that element of time space and the most prominent real life physical example we see of a bridge of time and space is at the cross. Yeah. How is it possible that every single person that has ever lived, that ever lived during the time of Christ and that would ever live afterwards come to saving grace? It's because the cross bridges that time space continuum. Absolutely. Um, That the people, even though Christ had not come and died yet, Mm -hmm. That bridge all the way back into the Old Testament. That yep. that was a focal point in time, but the the reality of what was happening was no less absent in the Old Testament than yes. it was actually happening then than it would be in the future. Yes, dude. There's no doubt of what you're saying there about the cross is brilliant, dude, because it shows uh, we're kind of almost used to that. Yeah, that somehow affects the Old Testament. But the 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 more mind blowing matter to me is even. Yeah, because God isn't, he's just not boxed in. Right. Uh, Christ dies for sinners. Right. That's not like God looking at his watch with, oh, that'd be great when right. we get to that point. You know, I mean, it's right. just, it's a, an eternal fact. Yeah. It is in the heart, mind, plan of God, a done deal so that an Abraham can be justified by right. what we would call forward-looking faith. Right. And a Nathan or a Greg can be justified right. by, from a time sense of things, backward-looking faith towards Christ. But it's an accomplished Fact in the right. heart, mind of God. It gives me the chills, man. To even yeah. think about it, um, you're right, dude. And so this, this. Now it's interesting, Nathan, because 
I've always told people, I've presented this a couple of times in, in old days at the church. We would do these tackling truth nights, mm-hmm. and that's when I did this one night. And, you know, I had 30 or 40 people come out and just said, sure. I'm going to give a view that's a minority view. It's, you know, I always say it, this is, has nothing to do with your fidelity to scripture, this right. has nothing to do with your uh, salvation. But if it's an interest and it gets you looking at scripture better, then, then I'm happy. And um, I always have a group of guys or ladies sometimes that ask me a lot of questions, uh, and I appreciate you not asking. I'd rather you just tell <laughs> the quantum physics end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always like, you know what? Uh, every time I've shared it, I've had people say that. I'll tell you this. That kind of is cool to me right? who doesn't really have a mind for that, never quite been able to get it, that you see an immediate connection to it, which just to me says, yeah, Truth is truth is truth across right. all platforms. So, um, but I've always had some guys ask me, and I'm like, I I don't know what to say to that. Right. Uh, I say I think it's cool. Yeah. Uh, but I I couldn't elaborate much more than giving a few examples from the CW's Flash. Sure. Well, um, and the thing is, like, again, it's you know, I, I don't want people to to misunderstand. It's not. Th- there's a reason why these things are still theoretical, theoretical sure. physics, you yeah. know, quantum theory, you know, yeah. string theory, you know, all these things are theoretical because we don't have the evidence. Right. I just, when, when I think about those things and I think about an infinite God who has infinite power and infinite possibility at his fingertips, I see no reason why those things aren't possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and so... And, and pop culture will capture this sometimes, dude, unintentionally. I, I, did you see all of Lost, the uh, whole series? I, I saw enough to get the gist yeah. of it, yeah. I mean, I figured that ended like in 2010, so right. seven years later. I don't care if it spoils if, uh, for anybody. But, you know, the end, uh, you know, the whole debate throughout the whole show is, are they in purgatory? Are right. they dead, etc.? And I'd say no, but... Yes, because in the last right. season, just the last season, you right. find out at the end, they they were dead. Right. And the whole last season is because this group of people, you know, uh, Jack Shepard and, mm-hmm. and Sawyer and all the characters, forged this unique bond on this mysterious supernatural island that in the afterlife, which was very Eastern the way they, right. they presented it, they... Uh, they have created a reality for themselves uh, because I guess one of the things is you, you, you can't accept that you're dead. That's like a, the first stage in right. the afterlife is the realization, oh, this is the next stage. Right. So it's like they're on Earth, there's car chases, there's right. ATM machines, there's regular life ebb and flow. Um, and you kind of find out at the end through one of the characters that they created their own labyrinth to find each other. Mm-hmm. Because their their hearts were calling out to each other, and one of the cool things is um, Evangeline Lilly, right, who yeah. plays the yeah. Wasp. Yeah, uh, for you MCU fans, uh, of course, is Kate and Jack's kind of off and on love interest. And what what you realize is that Jack dies on the island, mm-hmm. uh, kind of in one of the last episodes. His eye closes. That's right. how Lost starts. His eye opens. Right, and all he knew is that when it ended, his eye was going to close. Um, so he dies, say, 2005 or whatever that right. is on the show. And uh, you realize that, oh, as you put it together, at the end they're meeting in this church. Right. They're about to move on to the light. And Kate has presumably lived another 50 years. Right. And he just saw her. Right. He just said goodbye and now kind of sees her at this church. And she says to him, I have missed you so much. Um, 
and you can tell he's kind of confused by it, right? Because well, I just saw you, and I thought, oh, that that's kind of it, right? Not not quite, right? But the emotional reaction, dude, I love, and again, this doesn't make it true, sure. But since we're kind of you know spitballing here, right? I love the thought of a husband and wife. I'm not saying they were going to be married again. Right. That's a whole other subject, obviously. Right. But, um, you know, they're going to know each other. There's going to be genuine love there. I think we can all agree on that. Right. But I love the thought of, like, my mother-in-law who's been without my father-in-law for almost six years. And who knows? Maybe it's another 10. Right. Another 15. Who knows? Um, saying to him, I've missed you so much. Yeah. And from him, I just saw you. Right. She was at his side. Yeah. At his, things like that are just cool. And I'm like, yeah, yeah God can do that. Right. I'm not saying, but he could do that. Right. We know that. And it creates this whole, um, just all of us arriving on heaven shore. Yeah. From all of our timelines, all yeah. of our locales, all of our experiences in one grand sweeping moment. Yeah. Come on, listeners. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Well, and I think too, we are, we are so bound by the constructs of, time and restriction and space yeah. that we really don't have, we don't have concepts of eternity like God has concepts of eternity, which is yeah. why I love, you know, amazing grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, right? Shining as a sun. Yeah. We've known less days to yeah. sing his grace than love when it. we first begun that, yeah. that, that 10,000 years is going to seem like, Oh, we just got here. Uh, sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, what happens when time really isn't time? Right. You know, yeah. We're just... not, we're not, we, we measure time in our, constructs of of days yeah. you know the sun sets and rises well we're told that god's glory is going to be the light and so yeah. you know the the idea of you know the the rising and setting sun and measuring time in that way well that you know that's not really going to be a construct for us to yeah, right. to be thinking about you know we we measure time by the life of someone you yes. know growing you know the, them being born and, and growing up and growing old and dying well nobody's growing old and dying right you know right. and so the the death and decay the the constructs by which we have set up to measure our time and our length uh, of these of the days that we have on this earth aren't going to be there right you know and so that that concept of oh we've been here has it been a day has it been a minute has it been a million years yeah. you know all we're going to know is is perfect contentment of being in a moment oh, with god it, in his glory moment. it's what i've heard some people refer to as the everlasting now yeah you know which i like it's kind of a thrill it's just it's the now. Yeah. It's, it's an everlasting. And where we think back on, oh, 20 years ago, this is what I was facing. These were my struggles. It's it's just such a different concept. Um, uh, another thought, dude, that I, I did want to say that I, I alluded to, but I wanted to make it more clear. What Michael Rogers first put on my mind was the thought. He kind of challenged the interpreter. He said, a lot of you won't agree with this, and that's mm -hmm. okay. I, again, if you're Bereans and you put your nose to your Bibles, I'm happy. Right. Uh, and I really am. That's That's all that matters. Um, but I think, um, you know, the challenge that he put on us is I, he, he said, you, I will, I will suspect you'll be hard pressed mm -hmm. to find passages where anybody's hoping, exalting, rejoicing in the coming intermediate state Yeah, says, look for it across the board. The new Testament hope mm -hmm. is always new body, mm -hmm. uh, resurrection, mm -hmm. Uh, John five, you know, Jesus says, I tell you a day is coming. All right. those who are laying the, in their graves and the tombs will come out resurrection of life, resurrection towards death. We get into the Chris date hell stuff, yep. separate matter, but you've got, um, 
and, and th- that's part of the important data. And I think most people would have to admit, yeah, it does seem like what they're the excitement in the New Testament, right? New body with God, upgrade. Second Corinthians five, putting off his old one, putting on the new one, right? Uh, not being found naked. This this disembodied spirit thing, I think, has become. I, oh, in other words, I personally think Nathan, it's just evidence mm-hmm. of our our own consignment in time and space yeah that well that we need something to make sense because i can drive to the tombstone of a loved one today right and i know yep their body is is right under my feet um and has been for years and uh it is decaying as the normal course of uh death unfolds uh and you know disintegration and all those things that oh are so disturbing to us and we're thinking He's not there. I I see it. The body's right here, but he, he's got to be with Jesus. So his spirit's there. Right. And I, I, we do want to affirm, I think, instantaneous. See, that's right. where where soul sleep, because there was a time I flirted with that too, right. Nathan, as uh, when I was newly in Christ, because I, I think I was wrestling through this body thing and, and everything. Soul sleep comes very close, right? But it's only really from the perspective of the right, believer. Of the believer, right? Where this view is, no, it's the actual objective right. and subjective experience. Yes, you're subjectively experiencing the presence of God in your body, right? Because you've objectively left time, right, and gone to the last day, and gone to the last day, right? Uh, so it's uh, it's an interesting thought. Now, some people, for pushback's sake, will say, "What about the transfiguration, mm-hmm. Moses and Elijah?" I've thought about that for years now, dude. I actually think it, that favors the Yeah, view. I agree. Because what it appears to me right. that they're in their resurrected bodies. Right. Um they're not portrayed as spirits, no. disembodied spirits. And, and you know, what what do we get the glimpse of Jesus, his transfigured body, like yeah. this little glimpse preview right. of what I would call the the resurrection body. Uh so now what happened there? Mm-hmm. All I know is uh you know, I think theologically, I think F.F. Mm-hmm. F. Bruce and others have, have some great phrases. I mean, you've got Moses mm-hmm. and the prophets, mm-hmm. uh, the law and the prophets, right. Elijah, the prophets, Moses, the law, on either side of Jesus testifying to the one in the center. Right. Pretty cool picture. Right. Uh, you know, and it's uh, what's Jesus doing? He is on his way to Jerusalem. What I love is the detail. I believe it's in Luke's gospel. I'm 95% certain. I'll check it. Our listeners will certainly check it. Um, you know, the motif there in Luke's gospel is the road to Jerusalem. Mm. Uh, Jesus sets his face like flint towards Jerusalem. And that's a, that's a big theme in Luke. I mean, it's, it's in all the gospels, but Luke really highlights it. Right. Um, and it says there in the transfiguration account of Luke's gospel, um, that they were discussing his departure. Yeah. Even more, so they're discussing his death. Yeah, before it happens, just a, a, a oh man, it gives yeah. me the chills. So I, what people say, what happened there? I don't know. I, in my mind, the way it works to me is that's an exceptional moment in redemptive right. history. So does God send them back for this one moment right. to this point in time? Right. Why not? Sure. And I'd say, well, he did in one way or another. Right. He either sent them out of their intermediate state. Right. Or sent them out of their uh, final resurrected day state right. to this one point, like there's something to be done here. Right. We're going to gloriously testify of my son and his death. Just, it's an awesome thought. Yeah. So, um, I would say, uh, now some people say, what about Lazarus? I, I don't know, but nobody does. Well, and, and here's the thing, like you, you think about, um, 
the the you know the the instances where we have the people rising from the dead. Yes. One of the things that I find interesting, you have these accounts. Well, first of all, you have no account of of heaven from dead people who right. come back. Right. I mean, to me, if if somebody had died and just come back to life, yeah. Um, somebody who had been dead for three days, yeah, and had just or four days in four the days, yeah, case, yeah. had just come back to life. What did you see? What was heaven like? Mm-hmm. We get nothing. Mm-hmm. We get nothing. So there must be something, at least in the minds of the people, that oh yeah, well they wouldn't have seen anything, right? Because wouldn't we get a barrage of you would think questions so. and answers coming? That I, I have always wondered that, and, and it's f- such a frustrating tease, right. like Lazarus, like what. <laughs> Dude, right. what, what what happened? What did you see? But uh, answers to that, Nathan, you're right. Or uh, Jairus' daughter, right. um, those who came out of their graves uh, when Jesus died. Uh, you've got um, stories like that. I just say, well, the Bible doesn't tell us. Right. I think it's a reasonable uh, assumption, and that's my opinion, Yeah, that in the providence of God, um, their, their temporary death, Right, was different in right. some way because right. God knew God was going to work their miracles just like He brought Moses and Elijah back. Right, whether that was from the intermediate state or from the final day. Right, either is I think most people would say exceptional. Right, it's not what happens that they would represent exceptions. Right, so it's possible that they died and you're right saw nothing. Right, were prevented from seeing anything. Right. I don't know. Well, and and again, the idea that God can remove someone from time yeah. again our physical human time right doesn't it stand to reason that god can also suspend someone in time yeah you sure know, suspe- of course. and so again like when we start thinking about this idea of being removed from time you know again it, it's not just we will one day be with christ we will one day be with god on the final we are there now yeah you know, and, yeah. and that that kind of blows people's minds because they can't get around where we are now, where yeah. we are currently. Um, but again, for God, the matter's always been settled. I mean, how many times can you look in Scripture about you know future events already having been completed? Right, right. You know, these things are already done. It's already there. Well, unless unless God is outside of time, and and He is in the past and in the present and in the future all at once, those statements are inaccurate. They're false. Right. Right. Oh, absolutely, dude. I mean, you start thinking about like even Jesus standing toe to toe with the Sadducees and saying, um, yeah, how he he basically proves the resurrection. By the way, that's interesting. The issue there is not the intermediate state. Mm. The issue there with the Sadducees is the resurrection. Right. The Sadducees are the the theological liberals of the first century, where the Pharisees were theologically orthodox for the most part. I mean, uh, from the standpoint of accepting the inspiration of all Mm -hmm. 39 Old Testament books, where the Sadducees tended to go with just the first five Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, were much more political, liberal-leaning sort of socialites. Uh, So where are they trying to, to trap Jesus on this whole resurrection thing? Yeah. And what does he do? He says, God doesn't say, I mean, his, I mean, the implication is I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, right. and Jacob, but I am. Yeah, right. What's the issue there? It's the resurrection. Right. And we're, last day hasn't happened yet. Right. So again, I, I'm admitting some inferences here, right. but I'm thinking 
The issue on the table is not the intermediate state. Right. Uh, the issue is, is there a resurrection? Right. And you've got Jesus saying, I, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even these that have deceased. Because can you not reasonably say, because they left time right. and went to that final resurrection right. state. So um, you start thinking about, as you said, that God can be everywhere all time, and he's just not boxed in. Right. Uh, and it begins to open up some really neat possibilities that I just think are, are cool. Now, what? believe me, dude, this isn't something I police. I can't tell you the amount oh, of sure. time somebody <laughs> in our church has died. What, but for me, it's sure. like they'll say, oh, I know he's with the Lord now. They probably, if you pull it out, I mean, their spirits with them. And I say, amen, he is with the Lord. Well, to me, I equate it as being reformed dudes to, you know, the same way we evangelize. Yeah. You know, we don't sit there and we don't go into reformed theology and, yeah. you Although know. some people the, do. Well, right. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of scary. Right. Yeah. No, you I mean. You need to determine if God's chosen you. Right, right. Let me now share the gospel <laughs> with you. And if you respond positively. Then that it, means yes. Yes. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Can I recommend don't do that since nobody in scripture ever right. does? But anyway, well, yeah. And can we can we talk about the, I I mean I, I'm going to get sidetracked on a sidetrack yeah, here. Yeah, that's fine. Dude. But the fact of God speaking about the elect from the beginning of time. Yeah. Shows that God's not bound by time. Of course. You of know course, that yeah. even in salvation God's not bound by time. You know we talked about the cross and salvation that that God foreordained yeah. people that he already So again, you know, you talk about, you know, the the moment that these things take root in somebody's heart. God's not concerned with that. Yep. He's not bound by that. Um which got me sidetracked into yeah. um you know, thinking about uh, and I totally lost my train of thought. So that's right, dude. Because I'm going to take your sidetrack and sidetrack. Can I do that? Sure, uh, absolutely. Which is right in 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 your um, your vein here. Uh, uh, famous Romans eight twenty nine. Right. Think about the implications of time in this passage. For those whom he foreknew, yeah. past tense, he also predestined, past tense, to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, verse thirty. And those whom he predestined, past mm-hmm. tense, he also called, past tense. Those whom he called, he also justified, past tense. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, past tense. Yeah. Why doesn't it say, and those whom he justified, he will also glorify? Right. Which would be more grammatically accurate, right. more temporally, chronologically accurate from our perspective. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure, dude, I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. Right. I don't think I'm in a glorified body. I yeah. could be wrong. <laughs> could be wrong. That's right. Uh, the uh, the cramps I'm now developing from my third <laughs> cup of coffee. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, the ache in my lower back that I have because I drove yesterday for more than an hour and a half, which means I always have an aching lower back when I drive. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're not in our glorified bodies. But again, past tense. Right. That's that's a mind blowing passage for me. Yeah, because what is Paul saying? It's a done deal. Yeah, because time is nothing. So yeah. heart of God. Yeah, from our perspective, calling justification, predestination yeah. was all past. Yeah. Well, and you know, I find this is kind of um, jumping into another thing here. You know, I find it interesting that you know in modern times we've got so many stories of people who die and quote unquote go to heaven, and this is what they see and experience and feel. 
all of those experiences are interesting to me because they're never actually experiences that we're told about in the Bible. We actually don't get a ton of information about what heaven's like. No, we don't. We get the glory of God. We get tons of information of what the new earth will look like. Uh-huh. And all of those things look like the new earth. They do. And I just that kind of that kind of causes me to to, you know, pause for a minute and say all right, so you've got experiences of people who who die and they say this is what they've seen. Yeah. This is what heaven is, that intermediate state. Uh-huh. We get no description from Scripture about that. Right. But all of those descriptions we get are from what the Bible clearly tells us the new earth will be like. Right, right. So one of two things kind of enters my mind. Yeah. The first is, you know, all they're doing is imprinting what they know the Bible to say, mm-hmm. and they and they like so many people have misinterpreted sure, sure. what the new earth and what heaven is, or they're actually getting glimpses of what uh-huh. the new earth is going to be like, yeah. mistaking it for what they think is heaven. Dude, uh, very, very possible. Uh, yes, I think that's a very good point because. Um, in Acts, this kind of ties into the prophecy thing. I believe it's Agabus is the prophet who, uh, when Paul comes to him in Jerusalem, it might be at Caesarea. I think Paul goes from Jerusalem to Caesarea and then on to Rome. So it's along that journey. I think it's still when he's in Jerusalem. Um, oh, no, no, forgive me. It's before. It's before because it's on his way to Jerusalem. Agabus has a vision. Mm-hmm. And if you recall, he basically uh, uh, takes uh, his belt and ties, uh, binds his hands and feet to kind of show this is what's going to happen to you, Paul. Mm -hmm. And he he says, and the implicate, don't go Mm. because you're going to die. It's interesting. Paul is bound in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. He is arrested, but he doesn't die in Jerusalem. He's going to make it to Rome. Mm. Uh, so that to me is a classic example. Wayne Grudem would call it fallible prophecy. I, I don't like the term because uh, and I, he doesn't mean it, but I think some people could easily interpret that, that God can give prophecy that's wrong. What's happening is the mind of the interpreter has seen, okay, you've seen something from God. Right. And you assume you know what it is. Right. And then you confidently say, this is what this means. Right. It doesn't. Right. Paul didn't die in Jerusalem, but they all thought that's what the prophecy meant. Right. So I would say similar application, dude. Are there people? I mean, a lot of people rail on the books, and I, right. I mean, I do. Look, sure. a lot of that is money making. Sure. Um, but I, I'm a believer, Nathan, that there have been enough near death experiences. I don't mind saying this at all. Different times, cultures across the world. Mm-hmm. You read people that you know study these right. NDE. A um, lot of common ground, light. Uh, all these pictures. There's something. Right. That people are seeing. Right. I don't presume to know what God's allowed them to see, mm-hmm. what Satan may have tried to. Because I will say, uh, I'm always a little concerned when people say, oh, I felt tremendous peace. You're like, is this guy a Christian? Because if you're not a Christian, I don't expect you to be feeling tremendous peace. Right. But is it possible that's part of a deception? Right. Um, so that they come back and all is well and they're right. lulled to sleep spiritually. That's a whole other subject. But I would not be surprised, to your point, if. In God's wisdom, people mm-hmm. do get glimpses of something, mm-hmm. and you're right. They imprint mm-hmm. what they think, what they know right. upon those things. We, we we really have to let the Bible speak for itself. Yeah. Um, and I just think um, 
I would say this. Are there problems with this view? Sure. There's problems with, sure. with any view. We're, we're, we're thimbles trying to have right. the Pacific Ocean poured in them. So we're going to get some of it, and a lot of it's going to overflow. Right. Uh, I think there's a lot more problems with the intermediate state. Yeah. Really do. Yeah. I, I actually – I'm going to be honest. I find it disturbing. Yeah. Now, if it is how it is, I think I'm going to find it wonderful when right. I'm there. Right. But on this side of things, I find right. it kind of disturbing. Right. And I – um. How many people, dude, are comforted when they hear that point made by preachers or authors? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all made it. You know, we do it with kids that you have this weird picture of heaven that you're floating in clouds and playing a harp. And then you tell them that heaven is concrete. Right. Uh, it's physical. At right. least in its eventual, uh, even if you're an intermediate state person. Like my son, Ben. You know, who's here at church uh, almost every week, and he's moving the pulpit for me. He's back. He said that when I recently uh, talked about heaven. He goes, Dad, that helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. I was really glad to hear him say that. Yeah. He said, because I don't know what it is. Yeah, movies, is, you do get this view of like this weird, right. cloudy, ethereal experience. Right. And then somebody tells you that it's concrete. Yeah. New heavens, new earth. Right. And it's, dude, again, I think it's just Hebrew. Right. And its origin. We're bodily creatures right and we're meant to be tactile and to taste and to touch and to see and to hear Um, and that's how we were created from the beginning of time that's what we were meant to be even if adam and eve had not sinned yeah they would still be in their bodies forever with with god there there would have been no separation of spirit and body into a new body their bodies would have never been corrupted in the first place that's a great point Uh, i I actually think, Nathan, that's a very compelling point. It wasn't that they were – because often people say it's a probationary state. Yeah, there's some truth in that Mm -hmm. uh, because I think the test of how they uh, handled the serpent um, showed what their eventuality would have been. But their probationary state was not disembodied existence. Right. And then their body came as a result either glorified or fallen. They started with their bodies. That's that's a good point. Yeah, it's an interesting subject, isn't it? Dude, man. We rocked that, dude. And it's a it, well, it's eleven thirty three our <laughs> <That's> time. <right. laughs> but I can't believe it. I feel like it's been fifteen minutes. I know. Wow. I know. That was that was an excellent one. I hope people will chime in. Love to get people's thoughts on this. And you can tell absolutely. us if you disagree. Yeah. Please. Absolutely. And give and us uh, scripture, give us article, whatever you want to do. We yeah. we love this stuff. And just like with S Town, uh, maybe down the road, Greg, into you know, fall or winter, yeah. you know, we'll go ahead and we'll bring you back on and we'll do uh, we'll do a follow up with follow ups, that that'd be awesome, man. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and sign off now. Great. We just rocked the Casper. Hebrew style. These go to 11.